be seated tonight. It was uh, just this past week, <clears throat> I thought I'd treat myself. I thought, well, you know, I got a little time of working away, and I was hungry. I'd skip supper. I thought, Jack, if you could pick anywhere at all in the city of Fredericton, where would you want to go? What would you want tonight? I, I thought about the diplomat. I thought about a couple of restaurants downtown, the palette, and... Um, and so I, I finally, in my mind, I said, you know what, I'm, I settled I settled on it. I knew exactly where I would want to go. I told the team this today, I said, Dixie Lee. <laughs> Nothing like good, good feed of deep fried chicken. So, yeah, I got one. <laughs> of all places, why would I... So I got in the car and I drove down and by the time I got there, they were flipping the sign on the door, closed. So I went to McDonald's. Where could I go? Aren't you glad you came into the presence of the Lord tonight? We are, we are living in a world with tremendous exposure to travel and opportunities. You only have to sign up for one travel site to get endless amounts of emails and opportunities. You only have to be signed up for one aeroplan, air miles, air rewards, spirit air. You only have to get signed up for a single airline to get constantly and consistently reminded about where you could go. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's a, a, an endless amount of distraction about places that would call for your attention, call for your checkbook, call for you to leave where you are and find your way to where they are. And, and so I thought tonight, well, why don't we just start Bible study a, a little different? Why don't we talk about some places that we could go? Uh, there are seven wonders in the world. I thought maybe that was a good place to start. The Taj Mahal. Has anybody been to the Taj Mahal? One, with the Curtis Scott, pastor, been to the Taj Mahal. Anybody want to go to the Taj Mahal? Every, yeah, not everybody. I would like, heard stories about the Taj Mahal, well known across the world for its historic value, its tale of love, the romantic inclination behind the builder built for his wife, built that he loved so dearly, prompted him to build this majestic, tremendous building after her death as a testament of his love. And oh, wow, doesn't that just, it grips us by the heart. And maybe not. Brother Phillips is laughing hilariously. <laughs> it was completed in <laughs> the year 1632. The construction of the temple costs the equivalent of 827 million U.S. dollars today. Or 77, no, I don't know. U.S. dollars, 827 million. The Taj Mahal was inscribed as a World Heritage Site. Today it attracts somewhere between 7 to 8 million annual visitors. That's, that's a tremendous, you could go, we could. I mean, you could save your pennies, get a paper route, you could do all kinds of things and make your way to the beautiful, absolutely historic, monumental Taj Mahal. We could go there. Uh, we could make our way to Rome. Uh, Italy hosts the Colosseum, which is one of the world's 
new seven wonders, sometimes called the Flavian Amphitheater. I won't go through all of the Wikipedia. You guys can look it up if you want to. But we could go to Rome. I, I think that that would be quite tremendous. I would love to see the cross that Pastor preached about that's, that's in the place where the emperor used to be, where, where there used to be an emperor that would give a thumbs up as to whether or not the Christians in the Colosseum would live or a thumbs down as to they would die, the fighters on the floor, whatever you want to talk about, where the emperor sat, there now sits cross. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that in some, maybe sometime in my lifetime. I don't know. We may make our way there. Um, the Coliseum had the capacity to host 80,000 spectators. I, I'd just like to be one of the 80,000 at some point. I think that, they, that we could. I mean, we could if we uh, allocated our resources, if we assigned our time properly, if we took the, the time to, to plan it all out. We could. We could go to Rome and see that great Coliseum. That, that would be tremendous. Anybody want to go to the Coliseum? You could, you could go there. You could go there. Um, I had to look up the spelling for this one. Chichen Itza. I, I was just going to say Chicken Little. <laughs> Archaeological site located in Mexico's Yucatan State. It's a pre-Columbian city. Built <clears throat> uh, just phenomenal architecture monumental, the terminal classic period by the Mayan people. The historical value of the site contributes to its status as a wonder of the world, one of the seven modern wonders of the world. You, you could go there. I don't know if there's anybody in, I don't, I don't know if anyone's ever been there. Anyone been, oh, Brother Chris has been there. Chichen Itza, it's a modern, one of the seven wonders of the world. We got some people that have been around. We could go there. The the dream destinations of millions of people in the world also is Manchu, Machu Picchu. It's a, one of the new seven wonders of the world located in, in Peru. It's, it's an opportunity that's there. It's a tremendous uh, new archaeological wonder of the world. If you tra traveled to South America or beyond, you could make that one of your places you could go. 635 metric ton statue made of soapstone and concrete located at the top of 2300 foot tall Cor <clears throat> Corcovado Mountain. The construction of the statue was initiated in 1922, completed in 1931. Modern wonder of the world. Could go there. Nice. Uh, we'll move quickly now because I can see people are starting to check your phones out. Uh, Petra. Jordanian wonder listed among the seven wonders of the world. Uh, also, oh, sorry, let me back up. Jesus in Rio de Janeiro could, could visit there. Tremendous uh, opportunity. Let's go to Petra. Jordanian wonder also listed among the new seven wonders of the world. Uh, you could go to the Great Wall of China. Tremendous, all places that we all could go. Wonders of the world places that we could go. And we could get sidetracked and we could get focused on uh, geography. We could get focused on archaeology. We could get focused on a tremendous architecture and building monuments that, uh, monuments in people's lives that, you know, are just larger than life. We could get enamored by the photos and pictures. We could sign up and show up to those places that we could go. We could go there. Uh, but I'd like to take us to Scripture tonight, and I'd, I'd like to somehow answer the question, where could I go with words of Peter? Peter was speaking with Christ 
And we'll, we'll talk about this for a few moments in John chapter 6, verse 65. Jesus was speaking to his disciples and he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. There was a, a challenge that Jesus had issued. He, he let them know that the walk with him wasn't going to be easy. He let them know that it was going to be a challenge. That discipleship means the very element of discipling. It takes work, it takes effort, it takes time. And, and how many have found that in the beginning of your walk with God, you were very excited, very uh, anticipated great things, and we still do, but, but then some elements came in that were difficult. It wasn't just an easy walk. It was a challenging walk. It was disciplines that you had to integrate into your life. It, it cost you something to be a follower of Christ. And, and scripture says that from the moment that Jesus began to, to bring the crowd nearer and the challenges that he issued from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They left. They turned around and they walked the other way. The challenge that he had issued, the invitation that he had given, the, 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 the sign up and the people that showed up began to dwindle the closer that he brought them to himself because they realized there was a cost to following Christ. The cross will cost you something. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And it's then that Jesus turns to the 12 in verse 67 and he said unto them, Will ye also go away? And I think sometimes we've got to let those words echo down through time into our here and now. And God is asking tonight, will you also go away? There are some things that we need to kind of cement in our life. There, there's some, some disciplines that we need to embrace instead of reject in our life. And we've got to ask ourselves, we've got to hear Jesus saying, will you also go away? And I, I know that we're speaking to the Wednesday night crowd and some folks that have signed on online when they, you know, they could be checking out the travel sites or maybe they are after the introduction. You may have just gone to Dixie Lee, I don't know. But we've got to ask ourselves and hear Jesus asking, will you also go away? Because we've got to determine in our lives that there isn't anywhere else for us to go. There isn't really anywhere else for us to turn. That, you know, once you've encountered Christ, you may go away, but you're going to go away empty-handed. You're going to go away empty-hearted. You're going to go away with less focus, less vision, less passion than you would have had if you had just stayed in his presence. And, and so I'd hear that question echo down through time tonight. Will you also go away? But I hear a group of people responding like Peter did. Peter answered the Lord and he said unto him, to whom shall we go. Where else could I go? Jesus, where else would we ever go? We've seen the miracles occur. We've watched the, the feeding of the 5,000. We've seen healings and signs and wonders. And now, Jesus, where could we go? We couldn't go anywhere else. We couldn't go anywhere else and be satisfied. We couldn't go anywhere else and be, and be happy. We couldn't go anywhere else and receive the joy that we have in our spirit. We couldn't go anywhere else. I, I just hear an echo from the people in the room to the question that comes. I don't want to go anywhere else. I, I, I don't want to look anywhere else. I don't want to get distracted by events. And I don't want to get distracted by locations. I, I just want my mind made up, Jesus. I just want to meet you. I just want to get in to your presence that's the only place we could go 
Peter said, you've got the words of eternal life. We believe and are sure that you're the Christ and the son of the living God. Where else could we go? You see, they'd been invited. If you go through the scriptures and you just look through the gospel some 22 times, Jesus invites the disciples. He, he first called them. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And often we look at it like we do in 2020. We think that was a request. Will you come? We think of it as, uh, uh, you know, just a question. Are, are you going to follow me? That's not what Jesus was saying. It was a command that Jesus gave. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say, will you follow me? He just said, follow me. And that same command is coming today. And I've heard pastor preach it. I've, I've just echoed it in this pulpit. Uh, if Christ gives us a command, then there is power in the command to fulfill the command. And if that call came in your life, regardless of how rough the road gets and how tough the road gets, there is a power in the command to fulfill the command. You have the ability and you have the authority to follow him wherever he leads you, wherever he takes you, wherever this road kind of finds us traveling on. Then I know in, my, in our lives that, that God has given us the command and the power to follow him into that place. There isn't anywhere else that we could possibly go. There isn't. Why would we? <laughs> Justin's been listening to a little bit of Dave Ramsey. Anyone heard Dave Ramsey? He kind of has a spiritual take on finances. And we'll be listening sometimes. And Dave Ramsey, he'll be talking to someone. They'll call in. They'll explain their financial situation. And then they'll say, you know, yeah, we just took a lease out on a brand new vehicle. And Dave Ramsey comes down through the radio waves and he says, well, that was stupid. <laughs> so we've kind of been making up our own little phrases. These are not Dave Ramsey phrases. But we kind of make up our own little phrases about, you know, <laughs> you got on the train in your village and you stopped in the village is stupid. <laughs> you got on the plane to fly to your destination and you parachuted out over the city of stupid. I know we're not supposed to use that word <laughs> in the pulpit, but all the children are downstairs. But I've just got to say that if we begin to follow Christ and we end up somewhere else, then we are just stupid. I don't even have jet lag. Does the going get tough? Absolutely. Does the going get rough? For sure. Do, do, are there a million things calling for our attention and our moral compass has got to get maintained and stay in focus and we've got to kind of keep our eye on it 24-7? But, but if we just, if we do, if we end up somewhere else and it's our own fault, it's our own error. We, we've, done the, we, we've just listened to the wrong voice for too long. We've got distracted by the wrong thing because invitation for him, he came into our lives and he said, follow me. And there is power in the command to follow him. Often when we read through the exchanges in the word of the Lord between Jesus' disciples, Jesus' and people, we realize maybe, maybe we, we aren't as dumb as we think we are. Sometimes. Just when people um, 
following Christ, thought they had it all figured out, he would shatter their theology with truth. Truth always trumps our intellect, our intelligence. It's, you know, we, we, when we do what's right in our own eyes, then we get it wrong. When we do what's right by our own ideology, our own ideas, our own focus, then we get it wrong. That's why truth needs to triumph in our life. That's why we need to let the word uh, seep into our spirit. That's why we have to kind of marinate in God's word so that it makes its way into the very depths of our spirit, our bones, our marrow, until it integrates who we are and what we are. We need, we need to let God's truth become a part of who we are because then we have the opportunity to make the right decisions and find ourselves in his presence. Our text that we read if you just backed up a few verses, you'd find in John 6, uh, 26, he, he calls the people out on their mo motive. Our text precedes this exchange that Jesus has had with a group of people that have been following him. He's just, you know, he's just given to the people the bread and the loaves and the fishes. And, and Jesus answered, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. He said, you're just after that that fleshly sensation, you're after that motive to satisfy your, yourself, your flesh, that outward man that's going to perish. He said, you got it wrong. He's, he, he lets them know that they're just looking for a free lunch. You, you love the miracles because of the popularity that it brings. You love the crowd because you're part of the, the, the group. You're part of the, the popular item of the day. But then he commends them, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life. Don't feed your, feed your outward man, feed your inward man. Quit worrying about your external self. Start worrying about your eternal self. That's what you need to focus on. That's, and, and, and it's the same for us today. We need to focus on that eternal part of ourselves. And, and, and we, we're talking about this tonight because we all get sidetracked and we all make dumb mistakes but like we started out with tonight it's in those moments that we've got to come boldly back into his presence we got to come boldly before his throne the mercy is there the help is there for us in those moments they said unto him verse 28 they said unto him what shall we do that we might work the works of god there, and he said, Jesus said unto him, this is the work of God that you believe on him whom he has sent. He said, you want to know? Believe on what I'm speaking. Believe on the words that I'm saying. Quit, quit focusing on the work and start focusing on the worker. Quit, quit worrying about what I'm doing, but start worrying about the person that's doing it. Hear the words. In, ingest the truth that I speak. And it's in that moment that many of the disciples that heard it said, this is a hard saying. Who can, who can do it? Who can hear it? Who can accomplish that? And, and sometimes we do. We get focused on the difficulty and we turn. We turn away. But that invitation is here tonight because God wants us closer than we've ever been. God wants something to settle in our spirit that says, where could we go? We, he wants that, that attitude that Peter had to resound in our lives, that where else could we go? Nobody else has what we need. Nobody has, can do for us what you've done. In our lives, Jesus. Nevertheless, that challenge was a dividing line. The crowd always thins as we get closer to the cross. Think about it. Here he had multitudes, but the disciples turned. Those disciples, not the 12, but those that have followed. 
turned and walked away. The multitudes turned into crowds. And the crowds turned into disciples. And then the disciples, the closer that you get to the cross, turned to three and to two and to one. But God is looking for one that will stand by, that will stay, that will say, where could I go? I couldn't go anywhere else. God's looking for a church that's looking to him today. Whether we want to believe it or not, we're in a tug of war for the souls of mankind. We're, 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 we're in a tug of war for the very existence of God with this culture. We, my children did not grow up in the world that I grew up in. It's a different world. This generation is growing up in a world that we did not, okay, me. Some of you are a little older than me, a little north of 48. Some of you a little south. I still can't believe that 50s, I'm barreling down 50. I don't feel 50. I look 50. But this generation has to deal with, you know, even my kids when they went to school, when they were in school, the teachers still used the word of God on occasion. They still did Fumbly Bumbly Angel for a Christmas presentation at AGMS. I remember going to the secular school, Christmas presentation, and there was a child up there with a poster saying, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, in the secular school. I'm going to guess, as a matter of fact, I remember writing the, the music teacher at the time, and I said, thank you for the stand that you took. And I remember her talking to Kathy and I, and she said, I caught some heat for that, but... I'm on my way out. I'm ready to retire. <laughs> so thank God she did what she could, but I'm guessing that the people in our secular school systems right now wouldn't or couldn't do what she did because the world is changing. And God needs somebody to stand up and say, I couldn't go anywhere else because your testimony, your lifestyle your life becomes the light in a world that needs to see that attitude in your spirit. Where else could I go? Sometimes it doesn't register. We, and the reason I think that God says that we should be evangelistic and we need to be in, in the harvest field is because we need to have an idea about what's going on in the world around us. We, we have a great idea what happens. If we're only coming, if our outing is here, then we have no idea what's going on out there. If this is our, our, the extent of our weekly fellowship, if this is the extent of our weekly uh, get out of the house, if you didn't make your way to Dixie Lee this week, if this, then chances are we are disoriented about what's happening out there. We have a false idea. We, we, we have atheism sweeping in on its white horse of education. We have an assault on Christianity and it's the only acceptable form of, form of harassment now. And truth is debated and then disregarded, if it's even debated at all. That's the world that we live in. But Jesus told Thomas and he told us today, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And the church has got to be willing to make that declaration. It's got to be a part of who we are. There is no other way. We've just got to hang on to him. The last thing that God needs is a church that has her hand on the plow with her head turned around. But I have this idea that there is a generation of them that still seek him. I have this knowledge and this understanding that there is a counterbalance to the concepts of the age that are out there. That there is a church that makes a declaration in him we live, in him. Not by him, not approach him on Sunday, Wednesday, Friday. But that there is a church that says in him we, we live and move and have our being. There is a church that says greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. If 67% of North America denies the existence of truth as an idea, then God is looking for a church that will have the heart of Peter and will say, God, where else could we go? There, you're not going to find the answer out there. You're only going to find it at his feet. That's it. I'm excited about this coming weekend. I'm excited about young people being impacted at Youth Explosion. One week from today, by the way, Wednesday, the youth are taking it as Wednesday as a fast and prayer day, fasting and prayer day. I'd encourage our church family, you just kind of need to get your calendar out right now and say, we're, we're going to take some time and fast and pray next Wednesday for our youth explosion. We're going to pray that God would call young people to a, a greater level of authority, a greater level of opportunity. We're going, to, we're going to pray that God will train young people, that he'll empower them, that he'll gift them, that the gifts of the Spirit will be in operation in here and out there through them. That's, that's what we need to begin to pray, that God's going to use Brother Drew Galloway in a way that he has never been used before, that God is going to anoint his lips, that God's going to anoint his mind, that God's going to give him a word to speak, a timely word for this generation because we absolutely critically fundamentally need it they aren't going to find what they need out there I, I'm for education we live in a we live in a city that has a great university colleges schools for it all but we need to get to know God more than we know anything else. We've got to know him more than we know about uh, whatever we're going to operate in in the world, however we're going to uh, function in our jobs, whatever we've got to do, whatever education we get. Before we get to all of that knowledge, then we've got to know him. That is what we need to know. It was Hitler that uh, released his intentions. The, the plaque is on the wall of a Nazi camp in Auschwitz. His cruel intentions, his awful agenda is declared and his focus was on the youth. He said, I free Germany from the stupid and degrading fallacies of conscience and morality. He said, we will train young people before whom the world will tremble. I want, he said, this is what he said. I want young people capable of violence, imperious, relentless, and cruel. That's what he wanted. But he knew that if he could infiltrate the hearts of the youth, he knew that if he could infiltrate the mentality, then, then Germany would become what he intended for it to be, as awful and terrible and horrible as that was. I would like to take that idea and focus it on our, not that idea, but, sorry, let's just. <laughs> I would like to take that mentality, but focus it on the supernatural. 
opportunity that God is presenting because here's what I believe. I believe that, that a church or a region, a, a fellowship, I, I believe that this organization, I believe that the true church can train young people, not that the world will be trembling before, but that hell will be trembling before. I, be, I believe that God can raise up young people in this day, in this generation, that, come on, that, that before whom hell is going to tremble, that when God begins to release his authority in their life, God can use them in this day and this age, and, and it happens in moments like this coming weekend. It happens in seasons like that, but we've got to prepare for it. Uh, come on, moms, dads, grandparents, grand, granddad, grandmom, we've got to be here to support those young people. We've we got to get behind them in prayer. We've got to get here in the room and get behind them, get focused, get worshiping. We may not, I don't even agree with all the music anymore. I, I don't even like it all. I'm becoming that person. But we've got to be here to support them and push them because there is a generation that genuinely desires an apostolic move of God in 2020 and beyond. That this generation wants to impact their peers and the people that they rub shoulders with every day. Not by social media or funny posts, but they want an apostolic move of God to transform their world. And I believe that God is going to do it. Peter said, where else can we go? This generation, they're realizing we can't go anywhere else and get what we get in the church. It's simply not there. But when they come here, they're going to find what they need, and they've got it to take to the world. I love how Peter went on. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of life. He said, verse 69, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. There's a generation, including mine, that says we believe and we're sure. We believe and we're sure that there's going to be apostolic revival. We believe and we're sure that God's going to do the miraculous. We believe and we're sure that God, come on, that God's going to do everything that he promised that he would do. We believe and we're sure. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 17. I won't take time. I've got it all here, but I won't take time to go through it all. But he said, in the last days, perilous times shall come. Men's going to be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. I said I wouldn't go through it all, so I won't. But you see it all there. We are living in that last days. And if we're not careful, we can get focused on everything that's not going right. We can get focused on everything that's going wrong. We can only, come on. They say good news is no news. Bad news sells papers, makes headlines, gets clicks. Bad news does. And so if we're not careful, we can get focused on the bad news. Did you hear? Oh. Jesus gave us the warning. Paul wrote about it to Timothy. He said, uh, just, just be sure, in the last days, that's going to happen. It's going gonna, it's gonna to occur. There's going to be people resisting the truth. There's going to be those, gonna be those that, that walk away, reprobate concerning the faith. They're, they're going to proceed no further. Their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. He, he said that, that there's just all this wrongdoing that's going to occur. But he said, Timothy, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing. Assured. Someone say sure. We're sure of it. Knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Be sure of it. 
He said, carry on. You're going to see all this stuff happening around you. It's going to be horrible like it is today. Don't get focused on the headlines. Be sure of what God intended for you to do in this day and this age. CCC, God's got us here on mission. God's got us here on purpose. God's got us here for revival. God's got us here because our community needs an apostolic lighthouse. God's got us here because he's a healer of broken hearts, broken minds, broken homes, broken, come on, broken spirits. That's why God's got a church here the local church still is the hope of the world it was the hope in acts 2 and it's the hope in this day in this age it still is so don't get just focused on everything wrong that's happening in the last days because we also have some great promises in the last day isaiah 2 and verse 1 he said and it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it that's a last day's promise that we're going to get a hold of I just wish you clap hands and put a little shout behind that. As a matter of fact, Isaiah quoted it, but Micah went on to declare it as well. He said, in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains and it shall be exalted in the hills and people should flow into it. Come on, we need a flowing of people. If we're in the end times, if we're in the last days, then God's promise is that those doors are going to get kicked open and people are going to flow in, not just trickle in, not just slide in one by one, but it's going to be, come on, that's going to be a conduit for God's people to come in. The last day's promise is ours. It's not just doom and gloom. There's promise attached to the last days. Acts 2, in the last days, come on, Joel said it. Peter reiterated, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Young men shall see visions. Old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids will I pour out in those days of my spirit. And they shall prophesy. Come on, they're going to declare the works that God's going to do. I've only got a few verses left, but I wish someone would just kind of take a moment and determine in your spirit, where else could we go? Seriously, uh, if, you, if you had thoughts about turning around this week, let me remind you, where else could you go? There's nowhere else to go. Young people, get your foot in and get your feet on the rock. Get established. Come on. I wish, there, there needs to be some young people that say, like Peter, come on, we believed and are sure. I got my mind made up. I'm confident. I'm not turning around. I'm not going to get all... Come on, all oh, waver by the things that are happening. I'm not going to. I will not be moved. Hmm. It's not time to look at the world, the influence, education, secular society. It's time to look to Jesus. And when you look to him, let me tell you, where you're looking determines your direction. That's why texting and driving is so horrible. Is there a big old mirror somewhere here? Because i, I got to remind Jack Lehman, I have ADD times 10. If no one else is in the car, bing. <laughs> or actually, my phone is like, wah, wah. It's like hollering, text message. But where you're looking determines where you're going. So let's, let's remind you about Pastor's Media Series, Don't Text and Drive. Leave your phone on the seat. Leave your phone in the glove 
do we still call it a glove compartment? <laughs> Quick question, does anybody have gloves in the glove compartment? <laughs> one, one diligent Bible college student. In the dash. Where you're looking determines where you're going. So look to him. There is nowhere else to go. Where else could we go? The enemy is going to put all kinds of opportunity right in our face. You could go here. You could go there. You could turn around. You could go back. You could. But why would you? If he has eternal life, if he has a mission for you, if he's got purpose, come on, invested in you, then why would we go anywhere else? He's the very thing that we need. He's the very one that we need. Where could I go? We could go anywhere, but why would we? That's the question. What if you'd stand together with me? I wonder if you just lift both hands and begin to make a commitment to Christ tonight. Where else could I go? Come on, there's a commitment. There's an attitude of commitment that's moving in the room right now. There's some resolution that's moving in where there, there was uncertainty, where there was confusion. God, just let your truth. It's just been... God, our prayer is that it's been an encouraging word tonight. Our prayer is that it's... God, it's been an enlightening word. But God, I'm asking that your spirit would just kind of seal the work that's being done tonight in this room among these people. Father, we're asking, touch every life, every heart. Would you just let your voice out for a moment? Jesus in your name, Jesus in your name, Father in your name today, come on there's that invitation to come, it extends beyond this moment into our tomorrow, Pastor Kent preached about it on Sunday, the Aramath, the wilderness, God calls us to that place where we separate ourselves so we can spend time in his presence. There is going to be a separation, but don't let it be a separation between you and him. Let it be a separation between you and the world. And in that moment, God is going to empower you. God's going to strengthen you. God's going to fulfill you. Where else could we go? Make your way into his presence. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for those that have received your word tonight. God, I pray that we would be more than hearers, but God, that we would be doers, that we would act. God, our actions tonight will invite us into that place of discipleship. God, it will invite us 
into private places of prayer and personal study. God, it will invite us, God, to spend time at your feet and moments. God, on mission, it will invite us, God, to be evangelists. God, in our own community. God, it will invite us. God, that command to follow you will invite us into a brand new opportunity that we have never known before. I thank you for a last day's end time promise. God, I thank you for a church ready to receive, ready to act. God, ready to move. I thank you for what you're doing. God, in our community, I thank you for what you're doing in Oromocto. God, I thank you for what you're doing. God, in our region, in our, God, in our cities, in our nation, God. Tonight, we just claim that. We claim revival. God, we, we speak prophetically. God, we ask that you would open up the windows of heaven. I pray, God, against every element that would seek to block. God, let there be a release. I pray that there would be a flowing in of people. God, I pray for youth explosion. God, let there be dynamic preaching. Let there be dynamic teaching. But God, let there be dynamic followership. God, let there be dynamic discipleship. God, let people make decisions. Let young people make decisions that will order their steps and prepare the path that you have for them, we pray. We give you praise. In Jesus' name. Would someone just give God final praise tonight? We give you great praise, Lord. You're worthy. You're worthy. You alone are worthy tonight, <laughs> in Jesus' name.